heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are Locked On Jaguars, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Jaguars podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Network. This is your host, Zach Goodall. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. Also, be sure to follow the new Locked On Jaguars Twitter handle at Locked On Jaguars. I kicked it up last week. Got over 100 followers, already almost double what Chris has on his new account. And uh, speaking of Chris, I bring back Misto Christopho, Christopher Thornton. Chris, say what's up to the people. You can't get rid of me. (laughs) And today we are joined by another QB guru, as we call him on draft Twitter. It is the famous, or as he likes to say, notorious, Mark (laughs) Schofield. Mark, what's up, man? Gentlemen, nice to be with you. Very excited to talk about Josh Allen. I've been looking forward to this. Shit. <laughs> Please don't. Do well, this. I guess the episode's over. Yep, I get, right. It was a good one. I'm going to crash it. Yeah, if it was about Josh Allen, he'd come in for a couple seconds and ruin our days. <laughs> but um we'll go ahead and get right into it. We are going to talk about quarterback number 1 in half of our hearts and wide receiver number 1 in the other half of Twitter's hearts and that is Lamar Jackson. Uh, probably the most polarizing, uh, if definitely one of the most polarizing prospects out there, because no one really knows if they like him or not. It's either it's kind of like politics, really split far left and right. There's no middle ground. Um, but I'll go ahead and kick it off right now. Uh, Mark, what do you like about the Louisville quarterback? A lot to like with him, and you know, people will focus at the outset on athletic ability. Certainly, you can almost say transcend it with the football in his hands in the open field. In terms of direction ability, his ability as a ball carrier, it's sort of that X factor that a lot of NFL offenses these days are trying to incorporate. Guys like Marcus Mariota, guys like Deshaun Watson. You know, it makes it difficult, if not impossible, to game plan for guys like that because you can draw up a scheme, a blitz, a stunt. And they can just use pure athletic ability to break it apart. If plays break down, if coverage is there, you drop eight guys into coverage, they have the athletic ability to sort of change the game at a moment. You know, and look at Carson Wentz. Look at him last night against Washington. Plays alive with your feet. You know, Lamar Jackson is sort of transcended in that way. People f- sometimes focus on that, and they miss the quarterback that he is, the qu- the ability that he has to operate from the pocket. Well, yeah, I'm sure we're going to get into the wide receiver stuff. <laughs> people are missing his ability to run a, quote, pro-style offense. And, you know, just this past summer, I did a piece on him running two or three-man flood concepts run and slant swing, curl flat, things like that. And people say, oh, you know, that's that's not an NFL offense. Guys, I watch every quarterback every week at the NFL. I <laughs> shut their stuff. Do you want to know what Josh McCown is running? He's running slant flat. Do you want to know what Blake Bortles is running? They're running slant flat. He's running a pro offense right now. Mm-hmm. Jo- you know, Lamar Jackson can't run a Stop it. Okay, because he's running it right now. Like, there are things you can pick apart with his game. 
but the like he can't run a pro offense. He can't process information on a pro offense. He can't make progression reads. Stop that. People need to like stop that and dive into the quarterback that he actually is because you're missing the good stuff here, and there is good stuff with him. Can we uh, can we go ahead and like cut it now? I think that, I think I think that Great finishes job, up guys. the episode. Uh, that was fantastic. I'm in the midst of tweeting that right now because I'm just kind of take, sitting here and taking that all back. But I think Chris had the next question. But that was that was awesome. Now, for every quarterback prospect, we can obviously look at the good things. Uh, but I want to ask you, what are some things that you think Lamar Jackson can improve on to make his game uh, to the next level? I think mechanics and accuracy areas of concern that I have with him right now. I mean, all placement is an area where he could definitely improve. And I think there's a lower body mechanical. You know, it, it's funny. You see some quarterbacks and they overstride, and that messes up the release point. Lamar, he almost understrides. It's almost too narrow of a base and too narrow of a step. And while some coaches are actually okay with that, you'd rather understride than overstride, it has impacted his release point. It has impacted accuracy. You know, in terms of arm strength, like he certainly doesn't have the arm talent of Allen. Or like a Patrick Mahomes. And so there might be some sort of limitations in, in scheme fit with him. You might not draft him if, say, you're running an Air Coriel downfield type passing game. Like you know, Bruce Arians, who I guess is not coming back to Arizona next year. But you know somebody that runs that downfield passing game, he might not be the best fit for that. Mm-hmm. Right. Offense that is going to look to push it downfield, hit those like 15-yard outs those 18 to 15 yard comeback routes along the boundary, that's probably not his best fit. But if you're running right. a West Coast offense, if you're running sort of that Ernst Perkins offense, like the Patriots with Tom Brady, like Bill O'Brien has been doing with Deshaun Watson, that's more timing and stuff like that, he can run that stuff, and I think he can run it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, that's something I looked at before the um, and based on 2016 film I saw Lamar and I knew that he um, it was something he needed to work on is hitting balls outside the hashes on deeper passes than just like simple out routes or anything like that and I thought the same thing about Baker Mayfield as well when I watched it and I was looking at both of these guys and I was thinking these guys both need to really improve on that in order to help take their game to the next level and although Lamar really has still improved more and more every year that is something i've still kind of not seen too much improvement on whereas we'll talk about baker with uh philippe tomorrow and that's something baker has just shocked me with and how great he's putting the ball literally all over the field but um that brings me to a question from twitter from the mick narton and we were just talking a little bit about his mechanics and he wants to know what mechanical problem is the stem of the issue besides lamar's outside the number struggles and, you know, that's a good question, Nick. And you know, I, I think it does get back to when you're watching him. It, it's the inconsistency with the stride in the lower body. You know, because he does start with that narrow base. There are times when he understrides. But there are also times when you could see him almost overstride to an extent. You know, he does, he's not starting with a wide base and then getting wider like Cephal Lufau last year from the University of Colorado. <laughs> really wide base. <laughs> and some other issues. But you know, that was one. But with, with Jackson, it's sort of an inconsistency there. So I, I think that gets into some of the issues along the boundary, some of the issues downfield when you know, you're trying to generate torque, you're trying to really drive the ball, you're trying to involve the lower body. 
through and finish through that front foot. You know, and that's when he gets to, you know, have those inconsistencies. It's not precise. It's not the same each time. And then that's what leads to some of those misplaced throws, those throws along the boundary where the ball isn't where it needs to be, those throws along the boundary where it sometimes hangs a little bit too much because there's that mechanical issue there. And that gets to sort of the scheme fit. Like, you know, if you want to look at him to run that type of offense, if you want to look at him to run that more downfield passing game, you're going to be really concerned about that. You're going to wonder, can we fix it? Because mechanics, sometimes you can fix it. Sometimes you can't. I mean, how long did we talk about Tim Tebow fixing his throwing motion? How long, and you guys know this better than anybody, have we talked about Blake Bortles? I was about to say, please don't Please motion. don't say that. <laughs> you can refine it, but you can't overhaul it. Like, Carson Wentz needs some refinement of the throwing motion, and we've seen that. You know, this is more of a refinement thing, but if you're running that type of offense and you're going to consider Lamar Jackson, you've got to be sure you're going to get your quarterback coach in you know, you're going to get throwing coaches in, a guy that he might work with in the offseason and say, can we get this fixed? Can we get this consistent? It's enough to make those throws. And if the answers are all yes, then fine. Go ahead and draft them. And if you're worried about it, then he's maybe not the right fit for you. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. So uh, kind of talking about his scheme and kind of how he, he, how he plays and what his best suits are, uh, to you, what are some teams uh, in the NFL that you think Lamar Jackson would be a good fit in their offense? New York Jets come first to mind. Uh, John Morton, he's from that West Coast passing tree, that West Coast scheme tree. Uh, out in San Francisco for a bit, he was under Sean Payton in New Orleans, also a guy in that sort of West Coast passing tree. Now, I think he could step in and run a West Coast offense really early in his career. But because he's doing those things right now, he's you know slant flat, curl flat, hand concepts, dragon concepts, all the stuff that you see Michigan do, all the stuff that you see the Jets do right now with Josh McCown. Yeah, Jackson can step in and run that offense. And so I think if you're the New York Jets, watching Josh McCown this year, he hasn't played that badly. He's had some good games. He gets into trouble when he has to push the ball along the boundary. Somewhat like Lamar Jackson a little bit he could be an effective quarterback and maybe they get one more year out of him. They bring Lamar Jackson in sort of as that, that bridge to a Lamar Jackson. But I think he could run that West coast scheme that Morton's running with the New York jets right now. Uh, Simon Lee's from Twitter asks if there's any universe in which Shanahan would pick him at two. This is obviously assuming the 49ers are at two. Yeah. And you know, that that's interested in what the 49ers did this past draft when they went out and drafted cj bathard that told you a little bit of how kyle shanahan evaluates quarterbacks and what he places a premium on because there were some things that bathard did better than some of those other guys in that sort of second tier of quarterbacks like a nathan peterman or those other guys davis webb that were in that group anticipation and accuracy were things that sort of stood out with bathard I mean, contrasting him to those other guys. And so then when you look at Lamar Jackson right now, is anticipation a strong suit? I wouldn't say it's a strong suit. He can make anticipation throws, but does on a consistent basis, game in, game out, throw in, throw out. You know, accuracy. Well, we've talked about accuracy issues. You know, and there are some of those particularly down the field to the boundaries. 
would those be enough to sort of make Shanahan shy away from drafting Jackson at two? I think so. You know, it might be a situation where if the for Lamar Jackson, it's going to be have to be a situation where maybe they come back and get him, you know, end of first round if he falls. I'd be surprised to see the 49ers go for a Lamar Jackson at two. And that's just trying to extrapolate what we learned from C.J. Beathard and the draft pick there. Because, you know, when, I, when that pick was made, you sort of got a window into how Shanahan evaluates the position because nobody really had C.J. Beathard coming off the board in the third round. I mean, people were looking at C.J. Beathard like, look, he's a fifth, sixth, seventh-round type guy. You see him come off the board in the third. Shanahan's got to like him for some reason. And if those were the reasons that he liked him, if those were the things that stood out to Shanahan, if those are the traits that he places a premium on, I'd be hard-pressed to see them turn around and draft Lamar Jackson number two overall. Now, you look at a team like the Jaguars, and I ask you that both because of his fit and also because they'll probably be picking in the middle-ish part of the first round, let's call it like 15 to 20-ish. Do you think that that both ends than a team picking him as high as number two? And also, is Jacksonville a pretty solid fit? I think Jacksonville is a good fit. And some of those West Coast concepts that talking about, you know, with the Jets and Josh McCown, you're seeing those in Jacksonville as well. You know, and before diving into that a little bit more, that would be a really difficult backfield for. Because if you think about what the Jacksonville Jaguars might look like on offense November of next year with Lamar Jackson standing on the shotgun and Leonard Fournette next to him, that's tough to game plan for from a defensive coordinator standpoint. Because what are your guys up front going to do when Jackson takes the snap, puts the football in Fournette's belly? You've got to stay home on everything. Mm-hmm. Bortles can make that backside defensive end stay at home because he's somewhat of a threat, but it's a whole new ball game with Lamar Jackson back there. Mm-hmm. You know, Fournette in the mix to that, you know, that's a really dangerous combination. So I think it has some sort of schematic implications that would have defensive coordinators just sweating, unable to sleep, just really worried about it. Now when you sort of bring I, in yeah. schematic stuff in the passing game, like, look, I'm looking at their chart and from their game against the Rams, and you're seeing, which is more of a downfield stuff, but then you're also seeing mesh concept, which is an air raid, quick throw, two shallow crossing routes. Seeing go flat, well, that's a two-man level flood concept, two-receiver flood concept to the right side of the field. In a piece that I wrote about Jackson this summer, he's running that right now. Passing concepts are also there in Jacksonville's offense right now that Lamar Jackson is running at Louisville. And so schematically in terms of the passing game, schematically in terms of what he could bring to the run game and that type stuff, I think it would be a good fit. I agree. And uh, this is something I've looked at with a couple of quarterbacks over the past couple of days because I was going through PFF and I saw that Blake Bortles on 44.8% of his passes, he was running play action. And so far through the year, he Lamar Jackson has a passer rating of 153.6 on play action uh, plays, which is the highest among ACC quarterbacks. And I think, like you've said, some of the simpler um, routes that they run, uh, the simple concepts that they run as a passing game. And right now, that's more to 
try and block out Bortles from doing anything too stupid, but at the same time, they want to keep running that with the power run that they're doing. Uh, so with the mix of that and the play-action plays, that, that does scream more that Lamar Jackson fits in this offense, probably a lot more than people realize. No, I think he really does. And, you know, that's just one game of concepts. But, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, their game against Baltimore out in London. You know, again, go flat. You're seeing it there. Go flat and mirror to both sides of the field. I mean, that's it doesn't get any more simplistic for a quarterback than that. And so that gets us back sort of to the initial point, which is the stuff that he's doing right now is stuff you're seeing on Sundays. It's not just a Friday night, Saturday afternoon type offense that he's running. You're seeing it on Sundays. You're seeing it on Sunday nights. You're seeing it on Monday nights. And so run this stuff. And so this notion, again, you know, it's sort of the elephant in the room that he has to switch to quarterback. It just blows my mind. And here's the other thing with that. And, you know, credit to Derek Clawson on this because, you know, he and I were talking about Jackson on Twitter, you know, over the summer. And he basically made this point. He's like, look, you have a guy who's this sort of transcendent athlete with a football in his hands that can make defenders miss that can change direction on a dime and you're going to move him outside you're going to take the football out of his hands on every single play and then rely on a guy like blake bortles to get him the football <laughs> like that just doesn't make sense it's just a completely backward way of looking at how to construct an offense in today's nfl and we're sort of seeing you know josh allen's still going to be a first round quarterback whatever we're seeing sort of the change NFL offenses, it's subtle right now, but you're seeing the success of guys like Mariota. You're seeing the success that Deshaun Watson has. That that new wave of quarterback is coming. The guys like Roethlisberger and Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers and, yes, even Tom Brady, they're the time never loses. That sort of offense where you're sitting back there behind the center, eight yards deep, every single play and throwing from there, it's getting phased out, RPO stuff. We're seeing more of these, you know, quarterbacks that designed rollouts and things like that to get these guys on the move, and then the explosiveness to make things happen when they break the pocket. Extend plays with their feet. And so Jackson fits incredibly well with the wave that is coming, I think, in the NFL. And I guess that, that kind of raises the question when people say if Lamar Jackson can run a pro-style offense, if you think about kind of what is a pro-style offense today. And I mean... Offense is just whatever an offensive coordinator or head coach in the NFL feels like running. Like, turn on Kansas City right now. They're running Urban Meyer's Utah playbook from 2004. You know, a pro-style offense is lining up in your center, dropping it on a five- or a seven-step drop, making, you know, three progression reads or whatever. But that's not really what these guys are doing. Andy Reid is doing, you know, with Alex Smith right now. You can look at Sean McVay did last year or the past couple of seasons with Kirk Cousins, and now he's doing with Jared Goff. You're seeing mirrored passing concepts, defined half-field reads. The stuff that guys are doing in college right now is not becoming because, let's face it, why make it harder on your guy? Give him a defined half-field read. Boot him out and give him, you know, you've got crossing route, Y in the flat, 
check down, run it. Like those are your half field reads to make. Why are we going to make it hard on this guy? The job of an offensive coordinator is to design plays where the first or the second read should be open. And so when people criticize quarterbacks for, oh, they're always throwing it to the first read, they're always throwing it to the second read, that's kind of the job. Quarterback has done his job right. He's designed a play where that first or that second read should be open. And the quarterback's job is to get it to the guy who the play's designed to get it to. And make progression reads. Yeah, he certainly can. And sometimes a lot of those reads ruled in or ruled out pre-snap. He's good in the pre-snap phase. Identifies coverage, knows where he has to go with the football. And when that post-snap look doesn't match up with the pre-snap look, he's good in that phase as well. It doesn't get him flustered. Information to make decisions most of the time the right ones. And so this this pro style offense stuff and all that. You know, we, we got to realize what teams are running right now. They're incorporating more and more of the stuff we're seeing at the collegiate level today because that's what they have to do. They have to adapt as well because if the guys are coming in with that familiarity, with that experience, incorporate that in what you're trying to do. And, again, the Alex Smith example right now is a perfect example of it because, again, they're running stuff that Urban Meyer was using with back in Utah when Smith was playing well for them. And so it just makes sense to incorporate that into what you're doing on Sundays. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Uh, that's been that I'm gonna I'm about to start asking you more about like the combating arguments against Lamar Jackson and kind of like what annoys you the most. And that's one of the things that bothers me is about how everyone likes to say, "Oh, how does he translate to a pro style offense?" When you, like you've said, you look into it and. Pro-style offenses or whatever offensive coordinators want, and they're incorporating college concepts. I, li- I liked your quote where you said about whatever you're seeing on Friday and Saturday nights, you're seeing on Sunday nights as well. Uh, but what is probably what the most annoying thing that someone can tell you when they're trying to combat against Lamar Jackson? Because for me personally, it's about how he's a run-first quarterback. And that's it, but you know, there's another one that gets me. That's he doesn't have the frame, the body type to sustain what he's doing in college right now in the NFL. Oh, Jared Goff went first overall. I think 6'4", 205. Lamar Jackson, 6'3", 212. Don't tell me that Lamar Jackson doesn't have the size to play in the National Football League. Don't tell me he doesn't have the frame to play in the National Football League. You know, and I've also seen the argument that you know he's going to be like RG3. He's going to get hurt. He doesn't have the frame. He can't withstand those hits. RG3 suffered a knee injury against the Ravens. Haloni Nata rushed back into a situation playing on FedEx field that I probably wouldn't let my cat walk on. <laughs> and surface was so it was just a bad situation made worse because he then re-injured that knee like yeah is Lamar Jackson gonna have to learn to slide to get out of bounds to not make that extra third or fourth move on a defender yeah I mean have to do that I mean Carson Wentz god I love the kid but don't take on NFL defensive backs and safeties at the goal line right it gets everybody fired up sooner or later you're gonna lose one of those and yeah, Jackson's going to have to slide. He's going to have to get down. He's going to have to learn to take care of himself. But does he have the frame, the body type to play in the NFL? Yeah. 
this RG3 comparison, it's a faulty one because of everything else that RG3 went through that contributed to his injuries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, that's, that's one yeah. that really gets me. Mm-hmm. I had, I had that happen to me at what time today already. It are, it seems like a daily thing. You'll come across one narrative about Lamar Jackson that'll just absolutely get you. Chris, do you have one? Uh, a narrative for Lamar Jackson that gets me? Yeah, that I'm gets prob- you. Probably the changing of the positions. I don't even know if that's like real anymore. I don't know how anyone can think that. I mean, I think it's still out there. And when you have, you know, Bill Polian, who obviously has spent a lifetime in the game of football and, you know, Hall of Fame type guy. Like, okay, I tremendous amount of respect for Bill Polian. But I just disagree with him when he comes out and says Lamar Jackson is going to have to move the slot wide receiver. And aside the fact that I believe he can play the quarterback position in the NFL, I'm structured in offense. I want athletes to have the ball in their hands as much as possible like i'm not going to take the football out of lamar jackson's hands put him in the slot and like i said rely on the blaine gabberts of the world to get him the football boggles my mind like if you want to come to me and say i'm going to move him to running back i disagree with it but i can at least say okay you're going to hand him the football like you're not really rely on somebody to get him the ball then you're just getting the football in his hands like i'm but at least it makes a little bit more sense. Like, putting him outside and then teaching him to run routes, it just it just doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, I had somebody come back to me on Twitter and say, well, you know, that argument doesn't make sense. Like, you know, guys like Odell Beckham and Le'Veon Bell, like, you know, all out of their hands, they were wide receiver and running back in college. Like, they weren't quarterbacks in college. You weren't asking those guys to change a position all of a sudden. And I'd be like telling Odell Beckham, okay, we're going we're gonna to move you to tight end. Like, it just doesn't make sense. And, like, you're just taking his skill set, taking what could be an incredible weapon for an offense, then just relying on other people to get the ball, and you're taking away that schematic, away that ability to just change the course of a play on the fly, that ability to make things happen off structure that a defensive coordinator just cannot game plan for. You can try to contain him, but he still get the ability to make those guys pay, to make you pay when you try to do that. And then if you're starting to devote assets to keeping him in the pocket, to spying him, to containing him, then you're creating one-on-one matchups in the secondary that he can exploit when the passing game. And so I just think it just, you hamstring yourself when you look at him and say, I'm going to do something else with him other than letting him to play the quarterback position. Yeah. Uh, I could definitely see like all that. Like, yeah, just whenever anybody mentions a positional change, it just like irritates me because you think of all these guys who have come into the NFL at one position and then they get moved and they're just usually a complete failure. Like when the, Jaguars drafted Denard Robinson and they gave him the position as offensive weapon. <laughs> People think that kind of stuff works. We've seen it hap- we've seen it change twice in Jacksonville and Robinson and uh, Matt Jones. And from my perspective, it doesn't work ever. I just don't. I mean, I'm I'm like you guys, and I know we all sound like ranters, and it's okay because this needs to be ranted about. But I really just don't get why people can't accept, you know, what is special about Lamar. 
And there's so yeah. many. And, and, uh, I'm with you there. And, and like, if you don't think he's your favorite prospect, that's great. But at the same time, don't then go say Josh Allen has the potential to be great. I mean, and the thing with Lamar Jackson, if you want to come out and say, look, there are things that I move on, or there are weaknesses in his game as a quarterback, like anticipation throws or throws to the boundary, or, you know, if you even want to go down the progressions road or the offense or whatever, like, at least it's an argument about his ability to play the quarterback position. We can have those arguments. We can have those debates. Look, my takes on a quarterback aren't always right. Get this right. The NFL doesn't get it right. And they have all the resources, the time, and the advantages that all of us here on the outside don't have. They can sit down with a Lamar Jackson and ask him to break down stuff on the whiteboard. They can interview everybody he's ever played with going back to when he was five. You know, we don't get to do that. But the NFL still has all those resources and they get it wrong. And we can have those debates and that's fine. And if you want to tell me that, you know, you know, like Jackson, you, you prefer Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold or gosh, even Josh Allen, I, I can disagree with that, but fine. But uh, the issue is more the one of he's got to move positions and that I just I, I, I can't see that. I can't listen to that and be like, OK. It just doesn't make sense to me. And maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. I'm about to take in a couple of months. I'm going to have to write the piece about how I missed on Dak Prescott. I am dreading that because I <laughs> missed on him. Believe me, I missed on him, and I'm about to take an L, and I'm trying to learn from it. But, you know, this whole thing with Lamar moving to wide receiver, nah. If it ends up when he goes into the Hall of Fame as a wide receiver, I will, I will eat the tweets, I guess. But I just don't <laughs> see that happening. It doesn't make sense to me. If he ever if he goes to the hall of fame as a receiver i will or any position other than quarterback. For the rest of my life agree i will boycott football for the rest of my life and unlike some people just trying to find notoriety on twitter i will stay true to my word <laughs> that's a subtweet but, um, right there i think yeah that's a little bit of a subtweet <laughs> and there's kind of one thing that kind of just jumped into my mind a little bit I don't really think I've seen this comparison and you can tell me if it's a bad comparison uh obviously he gets a lot of flack nowadays for off the field things but how have people not really kind of looked at Lamar Jackson kind of like Colin Kaepernick in his prime yeah I mean I, I think I'm not the best with comps. I've just never mm-hmm. been good at them, you know? Yeah. But I think sort of the – is a little different. I mean, Kaepernick had a cannon. He still does. So I think in terms of running ability, there are some similarities. Well, I'd probably almost give the nod to Lamar Jackson, particularly on the change of direction ability. Mm-hmm. But I think the global point there, which is you can – run a successful NFL offense with a guy like this certainly is apt and certainly makes a ton of sense. Like, look, Colin Kaepernick isn't your prototypical NFL pocket passer, and that's true. But you can't say that you can't have a successful offense with him because we've seen it. We've seen him have success with an offense. They went to a Super Bowl. Well, with an offense that was sort of tailor-made to his skill set. Yeah. And so if you get a guy like Lamar Jackson, a transcendent guy with a football in his hands, you can tailor an offense to his skill set and be successful. It's happened in the past. It will happen again. And there are a couple of guys in this sort of quarterback group that are going to get guys fired. 
whether because they draft them or because they pass on them. And right now with Lamar Jackson, I'm in the mindset that he's going to get guys fired because they passed on him. It might turn out that I'm wrong, but I'm, that's kind of where I am with him right now because people are going to look at him. They're going to pass on him. He might end up falling to the ideal situation where offensive coordinator, head coach, sees what he can do, believes in what he can do, structures an offense around what he can do. So that's where I am on it. Again, maybe I'm wrong, but that's where I am on it with Lamar Jackson. Sort of similar to what we talked about and what we saw with Colin Kaepernick. You structure an offense around what he does well, and you can have success doing it. And I hope and pray that if not Baker Mayfield, because they're kind of like my 1A and 1B, so I do have to mention Baker. If it's not Baker, I hope and pray that Jacksonville sees that in Lamar Jackson and is able to pull that trigger. My fear is they wouldn't. <laughs> but because, yeah, you, you mentioned it perfectly, like the pro style concepts, whatever people like to say, it's there for Jackson. He's able to do it. His mobility isn't isn't a negative. Like we said, the, the freak stuff happened with R, with RG three, but I mean, it's not a negative. It only makes you that more deadly. Oh, I mean, oh, again, and watching Mariota, watching Deshaun Watson, like just it adds that extra element to an offense that you just can't predict, you can't game plan for because it's not like you could turn on the tape and see it happen the same way every single time. Like, it's not like you could turn on the tape and say, oh, he's always going to break the pocket to his left, put a spin move on a guy, and then pick up an extra 15 yards. It doesn't always happen that way. It's not like seeing mesh concept over and over again or you know, curl flat over and over again. It's that thing that you just can't game plan for. Leaves a defense sort of wondering what they're going to do next. It's a, you know, Sometimes when you have a strong running game and you just wear down the opponent, it's the same thing when it's like, Man, we think we're in the right spot. We think we have the right defense called, and we still can't stop this guy. To Deshaun Watson against Alabama in the most recent national championship game when Ruben Foster had a shot on him to sort of deliver a knockout-type blow, and he gets holocoptered, but he gets right back up. You know, as a defensive player, as a linebacker, you see that, you're like, man, what do we have to do to beat this guy? It's the same type of thing scheme a spy concept or whatever and he still breaks a big play on you or you think you have the right defense call and he still makes a big throw on you lamar jackson does that and it's like what do we have to do to beat this guy he had some bad games yeah has he struggled at times this year yeah he had a bad game against clemson i think most quarterbacks are gonna have a bad game against clemson right now that defense mm-hmm. is pretty darn good mm-hmm. very good the stuff that he can do i'm almost I want to say impossible to defend, but very difficult to defend. I think is going to allow him to have success at the next level, in addition to the stuff he can do as a quarterback from the pocket. I agree. And I think that'll pretty much wrap it up for us. Um, If anyone has learned anything from tonight, take Lamar Jackson seriously as a prospect. (laughs) You don't have to. I think everyone here can agree on that. You don't have to come out and just be convinced that he's quarterback one. Like, I'm not here to, like, make your mind up on that issue. I'm just trying to let the people know, like, look, he can play quarterback at the next level. 100%. Quarterback, like, that's fine. People could disagree about quarterbacks. That's fine. And that's We should be having those kind of debates. If you want to say he's, like, QB 10, 15, 20, like, okay, that's fine. 
look at him as a quarterback. Like that's my major point. Like he's a quarterback at the next level. I think he can have success there. Again, maybe I'm wrong, but I think he can succeed running almost most offenses in the National Football League. I second that, and I believe Chris would third that, correct? I, I do. I can third that. That. Even the Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, class dismiss. I think we are good here. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, feel free to give one last plug of your content to the great people that are our listeners. A list of places I don't work for at this point. Um, <laughs> probably Inside the Pylon is where people know me from most. InsideThePylon.com. Do some quarterback stuff over there, some NFL stuff over there. Also, Bleacher Reports NFL 1000 Project. I study the quarterbacks each week with Doug Ferrar. I'm sure you always agree with our rankings. <laughs> I, know so, um, I know Sully didn't agree with the tight end rankings, but rip, Sully is gone. What happened to Sully? He deactivated. <laughs> he said if the Raiders beat the Chiefs, he'll deactivate. Ooh, I was wondering what happened with him because my timeline was quiet the past couple of days. Um, Refreshing. <laughs> um, yeah, so NFL 1000 Projects over there with Bleacher Report. Um, Locked on Patriots. I host Locked on Patriots as well as LockedOnPatriots.com. You can check that out as well. And just, you know, make fun of me on Twitter. <laughs> make fun of the accent, whatever you want. I'm at Mark Schofield. I'm not going to block you. I enjoy the back and forth. So, anyway, a pleasure. <laughs> a pleasure to have you, pleasure, Mark. Pleasure, of course. If I mention it at the start of the show or not, but I'll reiterate if I did. Mark is part of the Locked On Podcasting Network with us, hosting the Locked On Patriots uh, podcast. If you have any interest in the Patriots, go and listen, subscribe, but no matter what, I'd get leave Mark a nice little review. Uh, tell him that you heard um, him from here. Uh, he does a great job with all of his work, and when you're looking into looking at stuff, especially for quarterbacks around draft season, Mark's going to be your guy. Mark, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you again, gentlemen. Enjoyed it. Check us out on iTunes. Look up Locked On Jaguars. Be sure to leave ratings, reviews, subscribe. You'll get updates whenever we post the podcast. Uh, then definitely check out the Locked On Jaguars Twitter handle. Follow myself at Zach underscore Goodall and Chris at Misto Cristofo. We have to get him back to 100 soon, folks. <laughs> please. Please. But um, we will catch up with you tomorrow. We're going to have my buddy Philippe. Uh, he will be on here to talk about Baker Mayfield, me and Chris's crush. Can't wait <laughs> for that. Almost as excited as I was for tonight. Great episode, and we will catch you guys tomorrow. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17